Well, good morning, Urban Village. So Pastor Hannah is not with us this uh, weekend. She is enjoying Labor Day weekend, but I have the privilege of continuing us on in our sermon series. Uh, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about spiritual disciplines. Uh, I thought it was really appropriate. Uh, Phil and I sort of talked about this earlier. He asked the question uh, of who is the de- what is the devil's last name? And he didn't even realize that in today's text, the devil is our main character. And I think that it's interesting, uh, as, I, as I read this passage, several things that pop out. And this passage has specific importance to me because it spoke to me in a season of my life when I really needed it. As many of you know, uh, I spent the first two years of, uh, after uh, undergraduate at Moody Bible Institute. Uh, and I went and I moved to Kentucky. And I began to pastor a church there that was really thriving. And for me, it was uh, this liberating experience because it was a life I had always dreamed of. How many of you uh, were maybe in undergrad or in grad school and you sort of thought to yourself, if I could just graduate and get to do the job that I want to do, then I'd be happy, right? Or if I could just find that person and marry them, then I would be happy. Uh, Or if I could just move to this place where I want to be away from my family, then I could be happy. Ever have this? And and you get so caught up in what will be that you sort of miss what is actually uh, already right before you. And for me, that was definitely like my whole life was like that. I was, everything was waiting for this pivotal moment where I could graduate and go pastor my first church. And it really was successful. And it was a time in my life that I felt so fulfilled and I felt that God was using me. Um, we went from 40 people to 120 people. We, we renovated the whole facility. We hired two staff, one of which is standing right back there right now with the beautiful red glasses. Uh, that was my, uh, she's my, now my best friend, but she was my administrative assistant is what she started off as when I uh, pastored the church there and here this weekend uh, to and celebrate um, Labor Day weekend with me. I'm so thankful for her friendship because it was with her that I was able to take a journey of really trying to reconcile uh, a, a hole that was in my heart. Life seemed really good. I seemed to have accomplished this thing that I wanted, but there was still this festering in my soul. I, I began to watch my friends get married, have kids, get houses, and I began to think, I want that. And I realized that um, I was never going to be able to have that as a gay man. And so I began to really study gay-affirming theology and came to a different conclusion but realized that I could not ever have a male life partner while pastoring that church in Kentucky. And so I made a really difficult decision. The decision was made to resign because I knew that I was burying myself in work. I was depressed, trying to keep up appearances, um, filled with self-hatred, and most of all, just a ton of fury towards God. And when God led me to that point to say, it's time for you to resign from this position, he also really made it clear to me, you're not ready to pastor right now either. You have so much hurt you have been serving in ministry since you were 13 years old when you sensed you wanted to be a pastor. And I would ride my bike to church every day and go to church practice while all my friends went to football practice and music practice. And that became a part of my life. And I was all I'd ever known. And I felt God just say, Josh, you just need a time to just breathe and just be with me. To just be a follower and not, expect other, not have other people following you. And that was kind of hard for me, and I really sensed him saying, Josh, you need, you need time to work through your relationship with me because how can you expect to, to lead other people when you're so angry and at odds with me? And so I decided, okay, I don't know what the future holds for me, but I know I need to resign and take time to heal, to grow, to grieve, to restore these relationships with others in my life as I shared my new theology and my relationship with God and myself. And so one of the very first calls that I made after I resigned was to a pastor of a UCC, which is United Church of Christ Church. I had met him at the wedding of my best friend, college roommate. And uh, my roommate from college said to me, 
hey, stay away from my uncle. He is a heretic. He's gotten into some real, like, left-wingy beliefs, and you just don't want to go by him. Well, I was intrigued. So I, I ventured in towards the left-wingy boy and uh, decided to engage him in some questions. And we talked, and I never shared that I was a gay celibate pastor, but by the end of our visit, he extended his business card to me and said, if you're ever ready to be true to yourself, there's always a place for you in the UCC. And I said, well, thanks. And I took his card, and I buried it in, his, in my wallet, and I thought, Oh my gosh, he knows, he knows I'm gay, he knows it, he knows it, he knows it. And, uh, and, and I just sort of, kind of really never let that go, that encounter. And a year later then, when I resigned, I took out that business card, and he was the first call I made, and I said, I'm ready to be true to myself. He said, great, come Sunday, and you can share your, your story in a sermon. And I was like, wow, that was quick. And so uh, the next Sunday, I, I did that, just that, and the following Sunday, I was here at UVC. And I went and I shared this story of the journey that God had brought me on. And then he asked me, after uh, I preached, he said, I'd like to offer you a position in our church to hire you. And the very first thing I thought was, this is God's provision. This is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. And then it was like, the Holy Spirit was like, you idiot. I told you what you're supposed to be doing. Why are you ever considering doing anything else? You are not ready to be back in ministry. You have so much to do with you on you right now, so much to work on. I thought, well, I'm gonna, we're going we're to we're pray about this, God. We're going to talk about this. I, I, Father, I, I'm going to convince you otherwise. And so I said, well, let me pray about it, like every evangelical fundamentalist would say. And so I began to pray, and I felt God say, Josh, I made it very clear to you. Very clear to you that you need a time to heal, to grieve, and most of all, to restore your relationship with me. So I went back to the pastor, a little mopey, and I said, I can't accept the position. He said, well, I'll make it better. I'll pay for seminary, too. You need to go to a nice progressive theological seminary. I thought, ooh, that's, that's really good. God, you, did you hear that? That's got to change your mind. You, you can't be telling me to say no. This is just too good to be true. And says, so let me pray about it. And so I went and I prayed, and I just felt God say again, Josh, my answer has not changed. I knew he was going to offer you that fancy job before you did, and my answer was still the same. I thought, man. I said, but God, I, I, and then I do the negotiation. God, I need a job. I've got to pay the bills. And I said, it's either this secular job or this church job. And he's like, well, those two things require a lot of different things from your soul and your being. So I said, all right, I'll go back. And so I went back to the pastor and I said, no, I, I can't accept. And he said, well, he sweetened the offer for a third time. And I thought, get behind me, Satan. I couldn't believe it that he was doing that again. And, and this time I said, well, let me pray again. But this time I was like, I'm going to play my divine parents off each other. I'm not going to God this time. I'm going to go to the Holy Spirit and read the scriptures. Maybe they'll tell me something different. You ever open your Bible and you just go, bam, all right, that's what God wants to say to me. And you just read that line, like, there it is, there it is, right? Or you just read it from front to back, thinking that somehow something in there will give you permission to do what you want. Uh, this is sort of what I did. But then I came upon this story that was not really the answer that I wanted. And it's a story that we see in our text this morning, where Jesus is sort of battling Satan in the garden. I'm sorry, in the desert. And what I think is most interesting about this story, can we pull up the very first verse of this story? We, we understand that, that Jesus, people always say that Jesus went in the desert to fast for 40 days. Look what, look what it actually says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The fast seems to just be some uh, extra thing along the way, along the journey that he's doing while in the wilderness being tempted, battling the devil back and forth. He's specifically there to almost kind of have this disagreement. 
And so we see in the text here this tug-of-war fight occur. First, we see, we see uh, Satan show up, and he appeals to Jesus' humanity, right? Jesus is fasting, so he's pretty stinking hungry. And so the devil comes, and he's like, hey, I know you're hungry. Change that, turn that rock right there into some bread. Microwave that thing, nuke it. Jesus is like, no, I'm supposed to be fasting. That's against the fast. I'll eat when I leave. And so then he, he comes again, and he offers and appeals to his divinity. And this time he says, you know, well, jump off the top of this church. And if you're really the son of God, then God will send his angels down and they'll protect you. It'll be proof that God's with you. I could imagine that Jesus is probably feeling pretty lonely right now, isn't he? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I don't eat, I just get hangry. I get a little depressed. I just get testy, all right? And I can imagine that's how he's feeling a little bit. And here he is, and he's, and he's battling with Satan. I could imagine that Jesus is just like, listen, I just want God, just give me a sign you're with me. Just give me a sign you're going to use me. Just give me a sign that, that it's all going to be okay. And so Satan comes, and he kind of plays into Christ's divinity. And I love that Jesus doesn't give in. Because the very fact that Jesus doesn't give in, and he doesn't expect God to be on his timeline, God does something even greater. Instead of angels rushing down to rescue him, in the next chapter of this passage, we see Jesus baptized. Something beautiful happens. This dove, a holy, sign of the Holy Spirit, comes and it descends on him. The heavens crack and open, and God, his very Father's voice, cracks down from the heavens and says, You are my Son, whom I am well pleased. He gets to hear the audible voice of God. And he says two things that if, if you're a parent or you're ever going to be a parent one day, two things I want you to just note that are really, really important that your kids should always know. It's to know that, listen, you're my child. I love you. And I am so pleased with you. He, he reassures Jesus in that moment of this. And then I love at the end of Jesus' 40 days, guess who shows up? And we see this in the, in the, at the very end of the passage. The very end of the passage says that the angels came and attended them. The angels still came. Just not on Satan's timeline. Not on Jesus' timeline. He waited. And then Satan appeals to his authority and says, listen, if you bow down and worship to me, I'll give you rule over all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you power. And we all know that today, now, Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he has all power and authority that rests inside of his hands. But we know this also. And Jesus knew this. Because he was attuned to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. He knew that this was not the time. Some of us in this room believe that, that there will be a day when Christ will return, and he will rule, and he will reign, and he will overthrow governments and establish a perfect kingdom and world upon the earth here. There will come a day for that. But Jesus knew that his mission right now was not to do that. His mission right now was not to rule and to reign over humanity, but it was to walk among them, to serve them, to humble himself. He knew his mission. He knew the last thing God had told him to do. He was to be obedient to it. And so this, this story, as I read this, it began, it's like my divine parents, God in the Spirit, reminded me, Josh, you know what you're to do. Just as God, just as Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, with good things. Was it bad things that he was tempting him with? Everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs power and a job. Jesus is, has, has all those things. He deserves all those things. They're already his. Jesus is, holds equality with God and wants that burning bush affirmation experience that, that God is with him. We all want that, do we not? These aren't bad things Satan is offering him. And oftentimes Satan doesn't offer us bad things, as we usually know not to do that. He often says, here's a good thing. 
at the wrong time, with the wrong motives, it's not so good anymore. And this was made very clear to me as I read this passage. What I'm being offered in this job is a good thing. The wrong time and with the wrong motives. So I declined, and I spent that year healing and restoring, and now I'm back here. Now let me admit something here. Some of you may be thinking, so when you were talking to God, did like, is there like a voice? Did you like hear him? And some of you in this room uh, may say that that's been an experience for you sometimes. For me, that wasn't in that moment. For me, it was just spiritual practices that attuned my heart to the whispers and the familiarity of God's voice as I was going through certain things. And sometimes, yeah, it's God. Sometimes it's just bad pizza. But I can tell you that it's my, it was my spiritual disciplines that brought me into practice of, okay, I need to listen. What is God saying? What is, God, what is God's heart on this topic, on this issue? Now, here's one thing I hate. Turn to the person next to you and say, I hate. First service didn't want to do it either. Because we're Urban Village, and we don't hate anything. We love everything here, right? Uh, first service was, was hesitant as well. Yeah, so I hate, and this is one thing that I really hate, and I, and I won't say I hate things often, but I do hate this. I hate feeling obligated to spend time with God. I hate it. I hate feeling that I have to spend time with God because it's like another thing on the to-do list, like doing the laundry or washing the dishes or going to work or going to a meeting. I, I don't like feeling obligated to do those things. I want to spend time with God just like I want to eat when I'm hungry because I long for it, because I need it, and because if I don't, boy, I'm, you're about to see a whole new man burst forth out of me. I, I, I want that. I want to long for that. I think a little Kentucky came out there. Did you hear that? But it's often, I think, the reason that often I feel obligated is because I was kind of gr grew up in a faith tradition where I was told, well, you've got to read your Bible every day, and you've got to pray. Because if you don't pray your Bible every day and you don't pray, then the devil's going to sneak in there and steal everything you got, and he's going to lead you down dirty roads. So you've got to make sure you spend time with God and you pray every day. And if you don't, oh, boy, you open the door to the devil. I'm like, oh, I've got to pray, I've got to read. i got to, oh, oh, no. I mean, I just live in this constant guilt and fear and shame, and if you skip a day, you're like, oh my gosh, I sin because I skipped the day. No, I sin when I don't skip days, too. And, and, and it was like, this doesn't make any sense. And, and I begin to realize that that, although has maybe good intentions, the fruit that's bore from that, I don't think really produces what we really desire. I think it's so important to calm down ourselves for a moment in the busyness of our day, the chatter of the world, the demands of our time, the structure of our day, and be quiet, and to spend time attuning our hearts to the whispers of God. But here's what I also think. I think if we limit God speaking to us, to reading our Bible and praying only, we are really limiting God. We're doing just that. The way that God speaks to us, and the way that God communicates to us, and the way that we connect with God, and our spirits are full, and our, and our, our souls are centered, is, is, is through so many vast ways of expression. Let me just give you an example of this. Uh, there, are, there are plenty of days when I just, I don't want to read my Bible, I don't want to sing a praise song, and I don't want to pray. All I want to do is just tell God how pissed off I am, and how angry I am, and how upset I am, and how things aren't working out the way I thought they should. And at the end of it, I don't want to say, and thanks be to God. I just want to walk away and drop the mic. And I still want God to send me, Joshua. I know you're struggling, but I, I love you still. 
and I'm glad you got that off your chest. And, and I, I see, saw it before you even spoke it, so go ahead and say it. And, and then there's other days when I'm like, you know, God, all right, I, I spoke my mind. Now I feel like I need to just sit for a moment, and I just want to list the ways you've been faithful to me. Or read back other lists that I've made before because I just can't seem to remember today. And there's other days when I wake up and I've got this tune stuck in my head and I just can't help but sing it in the shower and sing it in the car and sing it on the train and people look at me weird. And I just feel like this song is in my soul all day and I just listen to it and I sing to it and I let it just wash over me. And sometimes I don't even sing. Sometimes I just listen to the words because as I listen to the words, I can actually understand better than just all this repeating of words over and over again. And there's other days when I really feel compelled to open the scriptures or to listen to a podcast or just go sit on the rocks by Lake Michigan and just shut up and be silent. And just look at what God is doing around me and in me. So what I want to challenge us in this, this, this morning is how is it that God has made you to speak to you, to attune your heart to the whispers of the Spirit? Do you think it's this simple regiment? And if you, if, if you just do it out of obligation, you just spend time with God doing any of these spiritual practices out of obligation, it's in vain. We should long for it. We should do what is natural to us. We should do the way, we should connect with God in the way in which he's created us. There, I see people paint pictures sometimes. They, they pour out their heart onto a canvas. And I think, I couldn't do that if my life depended on it. It wouldn't look like a picture. I just like through, you know, paint at it. It wouldn't do anything for me. But for others, oh, it moves them. Or to watch someone create something like that. See, God's made us all so different. And we can connect with God on those levels and in different ways. I had a, a guest say with, how many of you know what Airbnb is? All right, good. If you don't, Google it. Uh, you got random strangers stay in your house and put your life in their hands for, you know, $29 a night. So that's what, so, that, so I, I, I do that, and I, I'll rent out my home like that uh, most nights of the week I have, in my spare bedroom. And I had this guy stay with me, and he said he was, he was just there for the week. He, he texted me before he left. He said, I'm checking out. I just wanted you to know all the scripture around your house really just touched me. I have pictures of scripture verses throughout my house from places. And he said, it just really made me want to read my Bible. And uh, my best friend mentioned to me, she said, you know, he didn't even need to read his Bible. He read it that day. He read it that day. But something in him told, oh, oh, this scripture, this guy must be really you know, spiritual. He must be really reading the Bible a lot. He must know. I should probably be reading mine right now, too. He had read it all over my house. It had touched him. It spoke to him. As we go through our day, how is God speaking to us, working in us, attuning us to his whispers when we're in that desert place or when we're at that mountaintop experience? So as we bring a close to this message, I, I want us to take this exercise for a moment, and I want you, maybe you have a phone, a notepad in your phone, or maybe you have actual paper because you, you live in the 1950s still or something. I'm just kidding. Uh, whatever, whatever it is, um, and take that out. And I'm just going to go through some possible ideas of maybe ways that you've never thought of that God could speak to you in, or ways of things maybe you do already, and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize that God could speak to me. I need to make myself more sensitive to that. Or maybe God's already been speaking to you and you didn't even realize it was him. So just take some, take some of these different ideas and maybe if you see something that pops out to you, write it down. Maybe give it a shot. And if it's a total fail, you don't have to do it again. All right? Because God has different ways of communicating his heart to us in these spiritual disciplines.
about just the simple of reading your Bible or a, a structured devotional or perhaps a wide spectrum of books. It doesn't have to just be Christian books. The diversity of what God has spoken to, the, to his people and his creation is much more vast than a limited scope. Understand the different worldviews and people. How about this? Just praying. It doesn't have to even be out verbal. It can be written. How about um, drawing or poetry or painting? How about uh, going into isolation, silence, retreating, camping, hiking, going out in nature, going to conferences, fasting food or social media, caffeine or a hobby, maybe, maybe saying, I'm not going to do this, and instead I'm going to go and try these new spiritual exercises during the time I would usually be you know, scoping out Facebook before I go to bed. I'm going to do A, B, whatever it is. You fill in the blank. Perhaps it's, I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to start giving more faithfully to the church, and I'm going to watch how God is, still provides for me and, 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 and uh, shows himself faithful to me. Perhaps it's, I'm going to start serving in the bridge project, or I'm going to start serving in some capacity that's outside of what I've usually been used to or I haven't done before. Or perhaps you're already doing it, and you can identify and say, yeah, that gives me life and connection with God like nobody's business. It fills my tank. Perhaps uh, listening to a podcast or a sermon. How about attending uh, church consistently? I had a guy at, at the end of first service just say to me, hey, I, I missed service last week because of the, the time change with the, with the park. And, I, boy, I was just really ready for the sermon today because of it. How about joining a small group or a book group or a support group about maybe an issue that you're wrestling through? Maybe just confessing sin or giving praise or yielding worries or presenting requests. Or how about some of these? These may be really unfamiliar to some of these other things I'm going to tell you. How about praise dancing? I love to dance. Oh, I love to dance. I dance and worship at the house all the time. I do naked Zumba sometimes. Uh, I mean, I just love it by myself at the house. Don't worry. I do all these, all these, I mean, and I really find it just liberating. Okay, and so there's, there's, there's miming. I mean, that's an interesting thing. If you ever do like Christian miming and think from ways that people express themselves in that way in Google, I mean, YouTube, very entertaining. Uh, there's, there's also shouting. Some people just really love to shout. Paul, I heard you let out a little shout after worship, and so I let out a little shout a little bit later. Right? It's just like this liberating thing, okay? How about, uh, how about praying the rosary and understanding why do people do that and what's the meaning behind that? Or maybe going on a pilgrimage or a trip to Israel. This is, this is just a small list. There's so many ways that we can express and God can express his heart to us. So as I bring a close, I just want to share this story with you. And this is why I think it's important that we spend time with God and we attune our hearts to the whispers of him. This is why it's important. How many of you have ever, as a kid, were in a large group, and as you were in a large group of people, maybe lost track of your parents? Or maybe you have a child here today, and you lost track of your child. Hello. And you're the only one with a kid here today. And, and, and in a moment, you just get this, pit, you know, this feeling in the pit of your stomach, this fear, this worry, right? And there's all these loud voices, and you're wondering, how am I going to find my parents again? And then from the crowd, you begin to hear, Ed, Ed. And you just stop. And you hear that voice, and you start pushing your way through the, the legs and trying to get to that voice. And they just keep screaming out, and all the voices get louder to you, it seems. But that one voice you can pick out amongst the crowds. And finally, you push through, and you find your parent. And you cling on to them, and you hold tight, and you have this overwhelming peace and this sense of security. You, you, you found your parent again. You're not lost anymore. And you feel like, I'm just never going to let go again. And you do, and you wander back. It's just the same sense spiritually. 
You know why in that large group of people, despite all the voices and the noise, you could hear your name that distinguished that one voice out amongst it all? Your parents? Because it was familiar. Because you had heard it many times over again. You could follow that voice to that place of safety and security. And in that place, when you got there, you knew, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I was looking for all along. This is what we do on our spiritual journey. We do these spiritual practices. We spend time with God just like Jesus would sneak away multiple times throughout the scripture we see to sneak away, to just silence himself, just to be with God and clear the chatter of the world. And we see it in our text today. He could resist the words of the devil because he knew the whispers of the spirit. Because God's voice in his heart was louder than the whispers of this slithering snake in the desert. And so we could say yes, and he knew that the familiar voice he could trust. And in it, there would be peace. And in it, that God would have nothing but good for him. Will you pray with me for just a moment? It's a prayer out of Colossians chapter 2. And it's, a, it's really an ancient prayer that has been prayed over people uh, as really a pastoral prayer for the people of God, that they would attune their hearts to the whispers. So would you, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. If you feel comfortable, put your hands out in a posture of surrender. If you've ever seen people in church do this before, and you think it's kind of weird, like raise their hands... Or like, or open palm. One thing somebody said to me one time I thought was really interesting was like, if someone was was you know had a gun to you and was doing a stick up, what's the first thing you would do? You'd surrender. Don't okay, I'm good, I'm good. I don't do don't do anything. I'm all right. I surrender. This is the same. This is why more many Christians do this. It's an act of and a posture of surrender, surrender and receiving. So that's what this is: surrender and receiving to God. Would you do that with me now as I pray this prayer over you? I want you to know how much I have agonized for you in the church here at, Great, uh, here at uh, Urban Village, and for the many believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plans, which is in Christ himself. In Christ lie hidden all the treasures of God's wisdom and knowledge for us. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith is strong in Jesus Christ. And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Urban Village, let your roots grow deep into him. Let your lives be built on Christ. Then your faith will grow strong and in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. In Christ's name.